So yes, you might be able to keep upgrading your cluster, but if you're never upgrading the things in the cluster, at some point it's going to be problematic because you don't know whether those things work with those versions of Kubernetes. So you still then got complexity when you start enhancing things in the cluster to keep everything aligned and in sync. Hello, welcome to Cloud Unplugged. I'm John Shanks. And I'm Jake Ashaw. And I think today we're going to bite this very big topic called single versus multi-tenancy around Kubernetes. Cluster architectures. Basically cluster architectures, yeah. yes. Like what do you have to consider when making the decision and what are the things that go in that decision making, as well as the definition of what we mean by architectures, I suppose. Kick us uh, off. What does tenancy mean in this world? So John's got a lot of ideas in I've the got space. So, so many ideas about he, tenancy. He actually pulled out a tenancy agreement and was like, uh, it's all around. Which you've now signed, which is <laughs> yeah, great. Exactly. And uh, that contract starts <laughs> soon. Yeah, tenancy. Just for simplicity terms, I think, especially for Kubernetes, I would deem it being more about whether you're sharing it or not, and I suppose it's possession. Sorry. I mean, obviously that's multi-tenancy when you're sharing something. And when you're not sharing it, then it's single-tenancy. But what is it that's sharing it, as in what are the constructs of things that could share it? So applications, I would say, was the specific bit or the workloads. Somebody or has to be owning these applications. Obviously, they didn't magically arrive in a cluster one day by themselves. So because of that, I guess it's who has context on these apps that I can go and speak to that help me inform a decision on whether they should or shouldn't be single or multi-tenanted in a cluster. And those are specific things around cost, security, ease of management, operational requirements, performance, and those types of decisions. Cool. Do you that agree with that? I think so. Let me just try to summarize. So workloads are obviously owned by people. And if you have many different groupings of those people, whether it be teams, business units, whatever, if there's many of those to a single cluster, then it's multi-tenanted because it's yeah. many to one. Yeah. And if it's one to one, then it's single tenancy. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. So okay. if nothing else is sharing it, then yeah. So if those applications are all yours and that terminology of yours means a business unit yeah. or if that terminology of yours a means tenant, just a yeah. project, then that is the tenant description. Cool. So then that is the definition of the tenant in that context, whatever the yours, I guess, starts to mean in a business like you were saying. Nice. So I guess let's maybe go through the different reasons that you kind of just described there a little bit on... What were those different reasons? <laughs> what were they? What, tell me, what were they, John? <laughs> what were the different reasons Did you for disagree going? with those reasons or do you think there's missed reasons? Same them again. So there was cost, mm -hmm. security, ease of management, yeah. operational concerns, which I kind of mean like, what, does... what happens if I patch this? Does it impact somebody else? Okay. You know, do I need to make decisions on that? Performance. Maybe there's performance requirements and limits that stop me being multi-tenanted because one application might take it all up mm -hmm. and then that becomes problematic on the tenancy to other people. Yeah, And those are the main caveats around basically whether you're, well, I guess they're the big, the big ticket, the items, big ticket yeah. items that most things will fall under. Yeah, I guess we can dig into separate episodes. I think you can probably go deep on all of them. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, some are simpler, right? So like ease of management to a certain degree, is it going to be easier to manage one thing <laughs> over several things? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> there's obviously different ways of doing that, but I think there's certain topics like cost and security that just have, you can literally spend hours and hours talking about because there's so many different ways to mitigate or share 
kind of security, you know, how you're trying to mitigate all this risk or kind of share cost out to the different teams or applications that are using their clusters. Yeah, yeah, I'd definitely say those two are like the, the mega... The, b- the big pieces. The mega buckets yeah. <laughs> yeah, of kind of information that we need to kind of explore there, like yeah. the decision making. I guess should we go through maybe a little bit of a scenario? So let's say you're a central platform team and you're working inside an organization trying to gather some requirements to figure out how you're going to be giving out these Kubernetes clusters to business units so that it can deploy some applications onto you, right? So I'm going to be gathering all these requirements from everyone, trying to understand me as a Kubernetes expert, how I'm going to decide what best fits the organization's requirements. Yeah. So what things would... I guess I ask in this scenario. Or the I guess team. if you're the platform dude, just so we can, because we've spoken about these things before. Yeah. I just want to make sure we use, because people might not have heard our opinions. Yeah. But you as a platform team is obviously there to be measured on success by the speed of which you're getting applications live and the quality yeah. and the scalability exactly and the security that. of the application. You're there to get the best out of that element and then be. I guess, as a platform team, as frictionless as possible. Mm-hmm. So that's probably making decisions for people where it's seamless, you don't necessarily need to know. And maybe you can somehow just place your app in and those requirements, you know, if you've been really, really good. Are taken care of. Yeah, imagine. they're just taken care of. Yes. Or they're led by you to then make it really easy by the application. And it just decides yeah. where it should go. Mm. If there was some... Magic. There was multi-tenancies <laughs> of multi-tenancies, yeah. I guess, because you might have shared on groups... Mm-hmm. maybe applications that are less sensitive you might want to share maybe very highly sensitive you might share with more sensitive things so i guess it depends on how many multi-tenancy clusters you might have yeah and why you're multi-tenanted exactly. more so than how many yeah exactly. um, like the so rationale behind e- e- exactly it. exactly that and then the architecture just so we cover that off too we're also just for clarity talking not just purely kubernetes but things then that make life easier for a developer so yes exactly that things can just scale up the clusters will scale up dns certificate management certain i guess commodity things within kubernetes is taken care of for you or given to you almost as a service so the platform team are there to provide you kubernetes as a service and that kubernetes isn't just a cluster at the basic level it's a cluster and the sort of standard components that come with that cluster. Yeah. And we could talk about what that is. In fact, maybe we should do that now. I guess some of the sort of typical components that you would probably see in a cluster, sort of starting from the top, is an ingress. So a way to access the things inside of that cluster from outside of it. It will be something to manage certificates, typically something like Cert Manager, which is an open source product. That could also do certificate management for non-external facing certificates so have it have it yeah exactly so having its own internal cluster certificate issuer which could enable sort of mutual tls between services so you've got ingress cert manager maybe something to manage the dns so let's say you didn't have like a wild card on a load balancer or something like that it would go off and provision the necessary dns records and you know point it to the new ingress that exists what else service meshes service meshes that's a popular hot topic yeah what do service meshes do some of those yeah exactly that's true didn't have so many of them so you could then do like auth between services and 
networky kind of elements as in the, can this service talk to this service that can also be mutual TLS on there and things like that so some do that some and they're don't. quite cool because obviously they I guess with service meshes you have the ability to be quite advanced with how you're managing the traffic before and after it gets to your workload so rate limiting or doing sort of blue green deployments canary releases exactly, that yeah. type of thing yeah and know whether it's healthy and all that yeah. kind of stuff so yeah. it does help it helps. Generally speaking, if you don't have insane requirements exactly. you know, in the service discovery, but if it's high traffic, then obviously some of them are kind of in user space, so it can be not always very, very fast, exactly. but it just depends. Performance. But um, just thinking about all those things, because obviously you need to get on the topic of... Yes, wait, let's... Well, You're not going to list every single in-cluster component. No, but the next couple of ones that I was going to list were quite important to do with scaling, so uh, I guess... Important. No, not at all, no. Who wants to scale, huh? No one scales. <laughs> so the main ways to sort of scale workloads or clusters within Kubernetes is the horizontal scaling, i.e. having more pods, vertical scaling, which is giving the pod that you have more resources, and then cluster scaling, i.e. giving more nodes to the cluster so that it can schedule more things within it. They're quite important, I guess, because obviously nothing exists. That cluster doesn't really have a function without workloads being in it and having nodes to go onto those workloads. So DNS, how does things get populated so there's like an easy name to go and consume the service Mm -hmm. load balancing obviously something that's going to load balance to the service but you're talking about in cluster load balancing at that point so like the ingress itself not obviously load balance for the cloud the in cluster load balancer is obviously the service yeah this is the load balancing that happens for things coming into the cluster yeah Yeah. ingressing in Yeah, yeah yeah exactly so so then there'll be like ingresses so obviously distributing the traffic and then service meshes potentially and certificates. I think I just mentioned that. Yeah. And then the auto scaling for obviously managing how much compute is needed overall to mm-hmm. service the amount of applications that are coming into that cluster. So they're all the things that you would majorly want. But then it could be logging agents, monitoring agents, yeah. all these other pieces that also get deployed that you might want to which are obviously important because true, yeah, exactly. You need yeah. to get the logs out somewhere centrally and things like that. I mean, there could be a bunch of sort of in cluster services that either attach to what's running in that cluster and give you some outcome. An OPA outside. maybe policy exactly in there. Something proxy for authentication it could be in there. Yeah, single sign-on proxy in or whatever else. It's like a plethora a of platformy of detail of platform-related components that yeah. increase the experience in the end to others and that's their duty can can yeah yeah can. <laughs> can if they're done well and they're good services yeah they solve problems and hopefully they solve those problems well enough to improve the experience overall yeah, yeah. yeah. so knowing that all those things are going into kubernetes potentially or some or like one or many of those things might go in i guess depending on whether you do or don't need them what are the architectural decisions that you might be thinking about when it comes to kind of single or multi-tenancy because i guess if you're multi-tenant then some of the types of technologies you might end up needing might change mm. so if you're i guess multi-tenant then because you're sharing obviously then maybe you want to do things like protect workloads from each other and making sure that you're kind of architecting um, the policies that you have in place with things like the open policy agent or sort of admission controllers to enable the workloads to 
not be sort of noisy neighbours. So also having things like limits and quotas in place so that one team or one tenant can't saturate the cluster and, you know, have like a unfair internal denial of service. So, I mean, that could fit again, sort of more into the security side of things, or it can, we could talk about it from the sort of... I was just thinking, not just from a Kubernetes perspective, what you might need to do within the cluster, within the context of Kubernetes, but the things you might then have to put in the cluster because you're more concerned. So then suddenly you might start with the things you've mentioned because they're very app centric, Mm. but because you then think about the architecture because you're then more concerned if you are going down the multi-tenant route, it then changes what else needs to be in there potentially to reduce risk that you said in the security. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess because you're reducing risk, then naturally you're potentially increasing cost because you have to run something in exactly. the cluster to offload that somewhere. Or maybe increasing complexity. Or complex and complexity. Yeah, because really. there's yeah. more things and you need yeah. to know how to run all those things. But also probably the primary thing is the RBAC. Mm. I imagine when you get into multi-tenancy, like that yeah. has to be very well nailed. Yeah, exactly. You know, you don't really want some accident there where some group or some user or something or service account suddenly has free reign access to the Name namespaces or mm. I guess kind of like environments, aren't they? A little bit synonymous with them. But or that there's something can go and get the secrets of every single thing running in the cluster. So like the risk profile again, it becomes a little bit more even though you're thinking of tenants, when you're thinking about it suddenly becoming multi tenant, then normally the starting point of that usually segue straight into a security mindset i think before anything else yeah so they're normally your first qualification questions so you start to understand it could be at a service per service level at the beginning when you're starting out so you might be like just working out because you might not know everything up front because some projects might not even started yet so you can't obviously find requirements out for future things you can only go on what you know at the moment yeah so that platform may or may not be able to be shared with absolutely everything in the business but it might be able to be shared with the current things yeah um, right so with these requirements that i have right now let's call it a multi-tenanted environment so it can be shared yeah and then you've got the fact that you want to give these shared services kind of equal waiting equal access things like that so like you said our back comes in it is quite important so Based on your role, you can only have access to your environments within your yeah. cluster and everyone else in the cluster has the same principle. Yeah. Then you've got the impact on the shared services as well. So because you have all of the things that we've just spoke about, like Ingress, like Cert Manager, you have to have quite a lot of, say, management of those things to enable that they're capable of allowing, you know, this set of users these applications to be in that cluster and to be a shared service like your ingress pods don't get oversaturated and that's scaling properly so that if there's more demand in the cluster then the shared services can scale as well Mm. things like that so i guess if you're layering in if we like pick on one a little bit if all the others didn't matter so say cost didn't matter Mm. And all those other concerns didn't matter. Ease of management, operational risk, if you could like remove them. So there was only like one requirement. It was just kind of like a security one. That was yep. all it was. Got all the money in the world. I just yeah, none of those, security. just for argument's yeah. sake, yep. you're not nice. yet. Obviously, you can't do I that. Like this it's world. Not, it's not I, I like true. this world where I have all the money in the world. It's nice. But <laughs> by default, a better security posture is not to share. Yeah, right? oh, for sure. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. you already have a default stance, yep. which is... If I don't share, 
the probability of something getting hacked is reduced yep. than something that is sharing or many things sharing. Mm -hmm. And obviously, as the amount of sharing happens, the greater the risk, I guess, to some degree, because you don't have... The ever-increasing risk, yeah. You're increasing the risk, exactly, over time. And I guess that goes for the in-cluster services that you're then providing back to others. Those need to operate in a way that also reduce risk to the things. So even though they're seen as a service and not the application itself... They obviously have a risk profile. Mm -hmm. Something could happen to them. You could try and DDoS one of them, maybe, or something like that. That could um, affect the application. And that could affect the applic all yeah. applications versus yeah. just one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, because I didn't share, and so the amount of effort for somebody to go through to cause a problem, be it you know a security problem or an operational problem, is reduced because it becomes harder. Yeah. If you're splitting them all out, yeah, and easier if everything's basically like a honeypot. It's all there. <laughs> For the taking, I've just got to work out how to get in there. Yeah. And that's probably easier. It's funny, isn't it? Because Kubernetes, in the way that it is constructed and that it, the way that it's been designed, it's been designed to be multi-tenanted. This concept of environments and things like that it means that... always said that it was never designed to be multi-tenanted when they well, were talking about it because they were like... It really wasn't thought about. Maybe it depends on the definition on how what you what a tenant means. But I guess sorry, yeah. what I meant is it it was supposed to have multiple workloads in it. Yeah. Um, however, those workloads are kind of managed in terms of their possession and things like that. But I guess as you have realised, the more things you have in it, and the more separated those are, or the little groups that they fall into, the more complex they are and therefore the yeah. higher security risk that they have and all that kind of stuff but do you remember when kubernetes first came out yeah like it was just replica sets it wasn't even deployment yeah exactly. right? it was all yeah. it was all based on that and our back kind of wasn't there at all mm. so it wasn't designed for that at all right from the beginning vendors then that were aligning to it you know had their own objective about what this thing they were building on top of needed to be. But they had namespaces, right? So namespaces so name always, spaces, always there. There was like, the... no way of controlling, though, even the namespace elements at the very beginning. There was no ABAC that came later. They, no, but they, you had ABAC, and ABAC you had, obviously... Yeah, but it's had... not role-based. It was obviously, but... But that's it didn't need to be role-based because you had you, the concept... You talk the... about it as if it had an agenda. What I'm saying is yeah. it's an open-source project. Yeah. It didn't... It had some form of agenda, but it was mostly community driven yeah usage and the community driven. drove it mm. and actually if you look at probably when we say community in commerce vendors mostly drove it because we're building on top of it so it's become a thing to build on top of and that's kind of probably those requirements have fed into it more so than say a business if you see what i mean like a business had a bunch of requirements because it was built for a business use i mean um, it was built for a business use Google's, <laughs> right? So well, no, Borg was Google's. Yeah, and then you know, Kubernetes. I think has I think Red come Hat and Borg, Google right? collaborated together at the beginning to open source Kubernetes from right. Borg. So it was like we want to create an open source version of it. And version of it, exactly. So some of that was already version, embedded. Yeah, like kind yeah. of not really that similar yeah. because it's quite different Borg to a degree. So. Mm. Yeah, it was like almost like a fresh project. All very similar principles and some of the things came from it, but not really the same. It was very bare bones compared to what they already had in Google. People can correct me if I'm wrong, but from what mm. I've understood, Borg was obviously much more about Google and how to operate. So there's loads of problems yeah. solved there right. for them. But actually open source didn't have an opinion when it first started. And then obviously opinions formed over time and those opinions have just evolved and more evolved and evolved even more, which then makes it like 
Which what am opinions? I doing with it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, how do I make a decision uh, on it when now, because it's been, there's a lot of things in it exactly, to yeah. make a decision on and now I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And also those opinions now have like different Kubernetes versions or vendored versions of those yeah. Kubernetes. So you have obviously the popular cloud managed Kubernetes services where they don't give you the full functionality of upstream open source Kubernetes, but they'll simplify the management of the control plane, but that comes at a cost of flexibility. Like the cloud, you mean like EKS, yeah, AKS? Yeah, EKS, AKS, GKE, et cetera. Obviously, that's a kind of useful no, service. I've never named those three. No one ever named <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, Are there other cloud vendors? We don't know. We only know three. Okay, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we only okay. named three. Big yeah, ones. exactly. I guess it's always going to be driven somewhat by how to monetize technology, isn't it? Yeah. Whether that monetization of technology is by a customer directly or by a third party that's trying to monetize from the technology to a customer. It's, yeah. Yeah. How they got there, I guess, is not. I mean, it's got there in the end. Yeah. I guess what you didn't see is what layer of simplicity they put over that. Mm. So when we talk about ease of management and things like that, is that it might have been easy with the vendors thing and then downstream from a back-end implementation perspective to make it more community and less opinionated, they've had to then make it unopinionated in a way that meets all right. needs. Yeah, And then they've got an opinion over the top which simplified the, yeah, the less yeah, opinionated, yeah. which you didn't it, yeah. see. So yeah. then you're like... Now I'm just dealing with the unopinionated complexity, mm. which seems really complicated. I mean, our back, you know, cluster bindings and cluster roles and role bindings. And, you know, it's just like, wow, okay. And so you've got to get it all right and the verbs and, you know. So for someone just to come at it blind and be like, oh, I'm going to do some R back in Kubernetes, right, there's some users that need access to a namespace. Like, well, it's not quite as simple as that, actually. <laughs> you know, you've got to think about all the other, like, you know, is it a deployment pod, all the different API groups? You know, there's a lot. So it explodes into a load of complexity. And then that becomes hard because yeah. you're like, oh, right, okay, this is way more involved. I mean, this is slightly off topic, but uh, I'm going to oh, do right. it anyway. <laughs> I think I've got another podcast to go to anyway, so I'll just leave you on your own. <laughs> Bye. But, See you later, guys. <laughs> but the way that you've just described it is, you know, I've got a user, I need access to a namespace. That simplicity, if you know about Kubernetes, like to implement it is really tough to put all the security controls around it. However, there's like such cool things happening in the industry now with like, chat gpt3 and all that kind of stuff so you've got like where natural language processing plus you know scraping and understanding the internet and all these products can then translate itself into an opinionated way of how to implement something it's quite yeah. cool if it's you could cool. validate it if you can that. validate it yeah there's... because you can't tell unless you knew it yeah. you wouldn't know whether it was right or wrong 100 percent. yeah so yeah, exactly. it still infers some understanding of what it's produced that you yeah. need to qualify and truthiness right. yeah yeah exactly. otherwise yeah. you'd be like yeah. i don't know what you just did with right or wrong so i don't know kubernetes yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm hoping it's right. i don't know if it's right or wrong or what other gaps that yeah. i haven't described there might be exactly yeah. yeah until there's some validation on it all yeah but yeah i think from application world to then platform world application world is a little bit more linear to some degrees from a very superficial high level as in people are working on apps and apps have needs and usually well most of the apps need an environment mm. 
and that's the terminology used. Namespaces, no one ever says that apart from in Kubernetes. No one was like, hey, I need a namespace for my <laughs> app. You know, I need a dev namespace and whatever, right? That became a Kubernetes construct. And, and Linux, really. Yeah, and then yeah. you've also got namespace yeah. within Linux kernel itself. Exactly. But that's probably what it's evolved from, though, hasn't it? Because it's that yeah, concept of segregation. Yeah, and yeah. isolation, yeah. But not environment, which is actually to do with the workloads. Mm. The terminologies are a little bit more agnostic to anything. Mm-hmm. But yet the use case for it to begin with is if I don't have any apps, I wouldn't use Kubernetes, obviously. I'm only yeah. using it to deploy something. So I guess all those things we were talking about on the requirement side is the more you're layering in, so to start with like security, even from a cloud perspective, if you're not even sharing the cloud account, you're not even sharing the VPC, it's even more secure. If you're not sharing the networking, it's going to be even more secure. Like The more you share anything, Obviously, the higher the risk profile goes yeah. up. Clusters too, so like just architectural principles. Yeah. Isolation provides like obviously a better security boundary. I guess let's maybe go on a little bit of a journey to describe some of this stuff, right? So yes, 100%, the less you share logically, the less you share, the less security vector or you know potential that there is or threat landscape there is. However, I guess that, because of the operational complexity involved in having more things. So let's say if I had two clusters, now it's an extra one to manage. Just to clarify that, not just manage the cluster, but the things in it. All of the things in it. All the things we just described exactly. before, yeah. which could be even more than the things we described. Yeah. Or less than the things we described. Ex- yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so if I just have a single cluster, and then I have all of those components, and then all of the workloads within them, then great, I do like one upgrade. It's going to be really hard because I have to understand what the impact is to all of the services that are both in the cluster, i.e. the applications that are in the cluster, and the components that I have to upgrade alongside that Kubernetes version. Now, if I have to do that twice and I've got two states of running workloads to manage, that's really hard. However, in the last, say, four or five years, the big kind of cloud vendors that we always talk about, they've obviously got their own managed Kubernetes offerings and they take some of that burden away, right? So where people had their default position because of that management complexity and overhead was just so high, Mm. i.e. they would optimize for ease of management and only have like multi-tenanted clusters and only a few of those multi-tenanted clusters, maybe like a non-prod cluster and a production cluster or something like that, they can now use the innovation of the cloud vendors and use the services to take some of that complexity away. And now they can optimize for security in a better way. But then you still have cost to optimize for, right? And that's the thing that maybe we're starting to see it a little bit now with things like Fargate and some of the kind of other offerings. But they're still like big monumental things that you have to kind of decide but those, upon. those things are this is obviously ancillary but like ECS can be very expensive because you've mm. still got a cluster yeah like it's the VMs that are expensive of course yeah. right a control plane less so obviously there's still a cost but it's there's less to it but that's the same with another service. If you were to take, as an example, Amazon's ECS, yeah. it can end up really expensive yeah. and it can be harder to share, Yeah. right? So there are different, it's not just a Kubernetes problem, that's kind of a cloud problem, I think, yeah, generally actually. speaking, yeah. because... Compute is expensive and the service they've added on top of compute means it it's even more expensive. Yeah, exactly. And it's value-based. Yeah. Yeah. So if the infrastructure was free yeah, that right. you were using, would you then share, no, right? no. 
It's because you're like, well, I'm not paying either way. Exactly. So I guess you take cost out the equation, you probably do the right thing and just mm. go for the security principle. For sure. But that was interesting about operational overheads because you're saying obviously the cloud vendors now provide them as services, they manage the control plane and the provisioning of the actual cluster itself yeah. and then make upgrades easier depending on which cloud provider you're on. Yeah. It's yeah. a bit of a sliding scale of how simple to how hard it is. And then how um, long it takes as well. And how long it takes, yeah. yeah. But the things in the cluster that they don't know about and then those being compatible with the mm. version of Kubernetes, less so. So, you know, yes, you might be able to keep upgrading your cluster, but if you're never upgrading the things in the cluster, <laughs> at some point it's going to be problematic yep. because you don't know whether those things work with those versions of Kubernetes. Exactly. So you still then got complexity when you start enhancing things in the cluster to keep everything aligned and in sync. This is ladies and gentlemen, why platform teams will always exist to some degree, right? Because that complexity... Just GPT. No. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Platform. <laughs> yeah, true. You platform I mean, teams chat GPT maybe it's all over the world. Chat GPT 4. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's like one, understanding all of those components that go into a cluster, how they all work together because there's different ways of configuring them all, even if you are choosing like the three things that you just kind of have to have, right? Just those three things. There's like a million different ways of configuring just those three things inside your cluster, Yeah. let alone how your organization is using them and making sure you're testing that like happy and unhappy path and all that kind of stuff all yeah. the time. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit of a tangent, but there is an assumption a lot of the time that because you're using something that problems get removed mm. and like it's obviously as in like all pain is gone and it's like not quite, it's reduced some element of it, but it's never the full thing. And even in cloud, you can go and use a cloud service like we've just said and it will solve some problems. Yeah. But even with other services like, you know, RDS and things like that, like moving upgrades between versions, sometimes you just can't take the leap too far and you know it's got to be staged mm. and there's all this kind of complexity so your assumption is that like, I don't really have anything to do I'm just going to consume this thing we're good to go and you're like because I'm using cloud yeah, right. and you're like well kind of but not really it just depends so you're like everything's yeah. a, it depends really kind of question in the end which is like yeah it's a bit frustrating because you're like so I the value the problem of, gone the value of PaaS can be diminished well, that's Basically. where platform teams are coming from yeah, because yeah. there is an unfinished story in it, yes. right? So yeah. the requirements aren't fully met. But I think that's probably because of how flexible, because I guess if we're talking about sort of infrastructure as a service and they're moving up that layer to platform as a service and then one more to software as a service, because the cloud vendors are, they've obviously got businesses to run, right? Their business is to enable other businesses to run that have lots of different concerns lots of different things that they might want to do so therefore they expose a load of different options in how yeah. they configure those things so because they they'll can, never be they can't know yeah they, they all the shapes know. of all the things they so just want like, the money this is the service <laughs> yeah. you go and work out the exactly. rest because i don't know your business and what you do or don't, don't know need. your business we're gonna try to simplify the things that we can yeah. but that's a really low bar which is why these decisions if you are like you know, container orchestrators, like I just mentioned ECS, obviously mm. you've got Kubernetes, which is like if it were mm. in Amazon in this state, so it would be EKS. Mm. But whatever it is, something's got to run and orchestrate the running of the container. That's the value prop, yeah. I suppose, is like I'm going to schedule, you know, where this should run based on some opinions of, on the data, right? So, and 
obviously there's ways to do it in Kubernetes, there's ways to do it with other things, but the principles stay the same. Yeah. When you're doing that, then the lens we're looking at it from is, well, if I don't have to build anything extra, if I've built something once and it's just there, you can just go and consume, mm. right? So actually the speed of consumption is way faster. But then I do have to do our back and I do need to know those other things, right? So then you're like, oh, we're not quite as fast actually because there is still something I need to do. But at least I've removed the infrastructure element around it. So there's some up speed yeah. because the infrastructure exists, yeah. which is usually then that tends to be what happens. Like someone sort gets something thing. going. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they're like, yeah, I've got something going and it's kind of working. And, you know, like this project's hosting now. There's a few apps that are in there and that's kind of worked well. And someone else might hear and be like, yeah, we've got another project that needs hosting. And you're like, yeah. Oh. yeah I've got one. Yeah, yeah I've already yeah, got, yeah. Some, exactly. got some infrastructure. Yeah. Like, no brainer. <laughs> Just reuse that. Like, yeah. what's the problem here? Yeah. And you you might... don't have to wait 10 weeks for exactly. someone in a data center to give you something. Yeah. Or even go through an approval system yeah, man. on like, well, actually, I need to put a ticket in yeah. for them to get a cloud account to then like, so there's all these conversations. Or I could just create it. your namespace yeah, yeah, exactly. and bypass process yeah. and then you can get your app in. Yeah. And sometimes it's like friction-free route. Mm. But then the reason that process was there was to ask the right questions of the business. Yeah. But because it was so slow that people just want to bypass it, you're then sharing mm. and then you do end up multi-tenant just by proxy because people wanted to remove friction. Yeah. So the rationale behind it might be to do with sometimes none of those things of like cost <laughs> or like you know those decision making well it probably is they is, but implicit they decide, in yeah it, they it, just like it's very implicit it's exactly. more emotional there yeah. on like i want to help these just, people out i want, I want to be thing. helpful yeah. yeah yeah and i can get this team going much quicker by reusing what's there than yeah. anyone else can exactly. or doing all that process and all your stuff they just don't understand you know, they don't understand that's why they got the process. Mm. I understand more about, because mm. I'm, you know, more from an engineering background, maybe whatever, but I'm more connected to the developer side. Yeah. You know, so I'm just going to get them going. And so the intentions are really good. Yeah. You know, they're trying to do a good job. But... It is, right. But the, I guess what you're saying is the due diligence isn't in place. Due diligence, schmilligence. <laughs> <laughs> but re like that governance and due diligence on you have process not necessarily All to I be hear a blocker. Slow, <laughs> yeah. Slowness. But sometimes by process you mean speed <laughs> reduction, right? Is that what you mean? Is? Sometimes you're like, oh, what? You're going off and building a service, a service that we already have multiple things of. What are you doing? Yeah. You know? So just depending on how much you're sort of trusting those people that just want like a namespace or whatever created, right? It's like Oh uh, yeah, no, I'm being facetious yeah. a little bit, but I kind of understand, you know, it's something sometimes it's organic yeah. and has no real intention, right? And there's a thing that exists that you just kind of you're figuring it out as you go. Mm. It's a very organic thing. And you've got people experienced that have maybe done the organic journey and then realize some of these questions. I've got people that maybe have learned more or read yes, from exactly. the industry, yeah. but then they're asking the right questions up front to make the right decisions so that they don't have to then actually work out how they're going to split this app out now because yeah. someone's rumbled us. <laughs> I've just been rumbled. And now, I mean, that's like, this can't share. This, this is not... huge cluster that you've got created with like 500 apps from different units. Exactly. And we've just been yeah. hacked and we've got fines. <laughs> like, we can't be sharing. This is not okay. But John, you sorted this person out that wanted all I of these things. I was talking about John. So, I, I think no, it's was John, wrong, yeah. No, that was the wrong person. Was it... Was it Tom Hanks? Tom Shanks? Yeah, it no, was. Uh, John. 
John Shanks. Page Kerr. Right. Not to be confused with Jake Kerr. No, 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 no. Do not confuse them, please, because that happens a lot. People confuse the two people together. Cage is he's Yeah, Cage Kerr is a very different person. Different guy, different guy. So the architecture... Obviously, if you're not thinking about upfront, yes, it probably will be faster. Mm. If you're not worrying about it and you've provisioned something and it's there and you can quickly do a few environments or namespaces and you can whiz some generic R back together, whether it's secure or not secure and whether you have what was PSPs, which now PSS, obviously. but PSAs um, and PSS, yeah. Yeah. So, yes, obviously, if you're designing for those and looking at the security of what things can and can't do in the cluster, but you might not and you might skip it and it might not be there by default, um, and people then literally can kind of do anything because there's nothing really restricting anything, then later on it's probably going to bite you at some point, but you didn't know. Mm. So you guess the reason for a story right is you kind of need to know because there is a huge amount of risk there on not knowing those things. And yeah. if you aren't asking the right questions at the beginning, is cost really, really important? And if it is a bit of a trade-off of cost and security, which it seems to always be to a certain degree yeah yeah it's like if we're always thinking isolation is like the pinnacle yeah and, and you're dropping down the bar and really i guess because through experience we probably know the questions to ask in figuring out which one you're kind of optimizing for or the reasons that you would optimize for one over the other mm. and then what controls you would put in to make sure that that one thing that you've optimized for you've let the other one go completely right like, yeah. like if you're optimized for cost you don't want to just not think about security at all. So so maybe we should have like another couple of episodes yeah, we'll on cost in, and security. I think, I think it's good to be all-rounded. So I think everything's going to be a trade-off. Mm. So we can go deep on cost. Yeah. And we can go deep on security. But really, you also have to compare and contrast because yes. it's a trade-off. Oh, for sure. So it's like, oh, I'll just do all the cost reduction thing there and not worry about security. So you'd have to, I think we definitely should, but I think what's important is knowing you're always trading off on something. Oh, 100%. And in life, it's never really. going to be really cheap and really secure. Yeah. You know, that's just not, and really performant and really resilient. Exactly. Because the price points don't work like that. You yeah. can have a cloud vendor. Yeah, exactly. Right? So it's like you pay for those things i mean it's just um, not how life works you yeah, know it's just exactly. you, you never get yeah you You're can't have it always have it all oh my god it's free and what? secure and what <laughs> so and the best it's the best free yeah. secure thing that i could have what amazing do anything wow yeah so. so i think it's worthwhile like we'll obviously spit it out but when you are making decisions you always have to think about those principles you know am i being biased because i want to make this easy to manage is that compromising now or yeah. maybe the right thing to do with cost? Exactly. You know, is cost now taking more of a priority over the security? Is security taking more priority over the operational ease? You know, are we getting ourselves wedding into like making the wrong decision because we're biasing towards a specific thing without and, the facts? And maybe there's other ways to solve some of these things, right? So kind of hiring engineers that have been through it or having software solutions that take care of these things yeah. or automating in a slightly different way or you know introducing new in cluster out of cluster components that again make some of this stuff easier so do you think these all these things are reasons why people just don't want to use kubernetes <laughs> yeah man it's so complex yeah. honestly it is so complex right because Kubernetes, it was just designed to schedule some schedule some workloads yeah. on some infrastructure. Yeah. That's it. It's an API so that you can go and use some compute and 
disk and memory and all that kind of stuff. But now I've got this whole language to learn. Yeah, uh, I've got this Probably API to interact system, with. It, 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 yeah. yeah, exactly. But I mean, that's how it started. It just started as an API mm. and then it became an ecosystem and it's a never growing, ever evolving ecosystem that you have to patch, maintain, know the best practice of and stuff like that. But the value of it when you've got it when right, you do it right, and you understand, is so high to the I suppose it's like anything, though, isn't it? Like yeah. you could, you know, as you know, but people yeah. obviously won't. I had a really lame attempt at learning French. <laughs> yeah, and you know, no matter, the value of that was really value, high, right? <laughs> the value of it, had I have ever succeeded, would have been really high, right? Because I would have actually been bilingual and been able to actually hold yeah. conversations when I go you know, to French speaking countries. However, never could master it very well. So it was like very frustrating. Yeah. You want to get the value out of something, mm. but sometimes that kind of uphill Just get struggle. stuck at the first hurdle. Yeah, and you can get So now it's off. like, is it bonjour or bonjourno? <laughs> you know, what is it? Jesus. But also, you know, you've also got to hear it as yeah. well. So it's a little bit, obviously not quite the same. But Do you have a, a northern accent whilst you're speaking French? I deliberately Does put it, on the north yeah, so okay. I speak French even more. Yeah, I make Scarborough. it really aggressive yeah, nice. northern, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like anything, things just take a bit of time or a bit of research. Obviously, Kubernetes isn't as hard as learning a language. So, you know, it's not nowhere near the same. Exactly. But just as a principle people shouldn't get put off just because you know what i mean oh yeah. well you know i can't immediately do it i guess um, it, i, I guess never think, so things that are simplified the, the way that i almost think of kubernetes is like a car right so yeah. you can have a car and if you don't know how to use it it could be very dangerous <laughs> you know you'll crash it it will cause a lot of damage to to you or whatever you're trying to do yeah. But if you've got a really nice car and you know how to use it, then it's going to get you from A to B a lot faster. Yeah. Some people have accidents. Yeah. It doesn't stop you ever driving. Yeah, exactly. Just because other people didn't do a good job of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, you might hear horror stories mm. because you're like, oh my God, back and security and, you know, all these things. But the reason that might have happened was what we just described earlier. Which just want like, to get to A to B faster. Yeah, they yeah. just did it organically. Exactly. And they didn't prep yeah. and they didn't really learn. And then it bit them. Mm. So, you know, you can't look at the end and be like, oh, it's obviously really hard or yeah, that's awful. Sure. I don't want that to happen to me. But, you know, that's I guess that's part of why we talk about these problems, right? Yeah. Is because I think we've been through some of this stuff and we're here to kind of yeah. help and stuff. And we so, do so both let's need to learn to drive and go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sounds like someone definitely needs to learn how to speak French. <laughs> yeah, but... <laughs> and maybe I'm a little bit bitter. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little bit of bitterness inside me because I could never do it. Uh, I will have to pick that up at some point in life. Indeed. So look, we're going to come back and talk to you about... What, security? security You'll go deep dive cost. into security. What we'll do is we'll do security, but then start to compare yes. what it means to other things Sounds as we're good. doing it. And yep. then we'll do cost and start to compare what it means to other things when we're kind of doing it. And then maybe bundle the other things together if there isn't validity in doing it. Is that right? Yes. John, how do you, how do you say bye in French? Yeah, anyway, uh, <laughs> be great speaking to everybody. <laughs> Adios. <laughs>